one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Square Ball Podcast. It's the 87th instalment of the Square Ball Podcast. I'd like to welcome you along. Uh, my name's Dan and I'm here with Michael. Hello. And Moscow. Hello. Still no sign of Oddie, but the good news is, well, there has been a sighting, a rumoured sighting, of a golem-like creature lurking in the dark arches near Leeds Railway Station. So we are going to investigate that and see if we can maybe turn up his withered frame. Is it floating? Uh, no, I, I believe it was it was still on dry land. Although he does, you know, he's basically amphibious, so you know, we, it's hard to know where you. His can trousers do. were wet from the reports I read. Yeah, I see the trousers. It was more of a cloth. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye out for for Oddie and uh, bring you updates on that as and when we have them. More important than that, our fanzine issue four came out against Blackpool. It's on sale against Derby at the weekend, so please do buy yourself a copy if you're heading down to the match. If not, you can get one online um, and subscriptions too at thesquareball.net. White watching. Now then, we went into this period without a win in what months, years was it? Something like that. I don't remember when we last won a football game. I do. Uh, we beat Blackpool. Which is good news. No, but before this game, I don't remember when we last won a football game. Obviously, I remember now because it was only how long ago is that? Like twenty days? Not even, not even twenty days. Feel, it feels like a lifetime ago now. It feels, but before that, that definitely felt like a lifetime. I don't really know what had happened because we had a whole manager in between. Damn, you just rolled right over my joke. I don't really know what had happened because Redders was in great form, keeping the team ticking along. We'd won something like six in a row, and then he just seemed to go off the boil for a bit. The form fell off, we started losing games, we were embroiled in a race row. It seemed like he just sort of let his managerial grip slip. He did become temporarily more handsome. He was dressing better. He was out of the tracksuits and he was he had the little V-neck sweaters under the under the suit jacket. Are you sure we didn't have Carlo Mazzoni in charge? I know they are they do look very very much alike but it was uh, no, it was definitely Redders. I was looking through the the other range of Google images of, of him. Yes, Neil Redfern's famous Neil twin, Redfern's as Massimo Cellino called him. Incredible images. He seems to be shouting on all of them, or being restrained, or, yes. or something on them. You can imagine being on a night out with Carlo Mazzoni and Massimo Cellino, just roaring at each other, <laughs> more and more. Anyway, back to this Blackpool win. Um, 
and surely the best first half we've had in years. Millions of years. Undoubtedly. I, I missed this game because um, I was at home puking and shitting. I had to, I picked up some kind of bug and was basically tethered to the to the toilet for a few days. But I did manage to get a stream of it, um, so to speak. <laughs> Are you talking about? Yeah, you're talking about the football. Yeah, etc. Um, but yeah, I was amazed. But then you realise mm, it's all it is all tempered by the fact that it, it's Blackpool. They are effectively a League One team. Yeah, I think they're worse than a League One team at present. You've got to remember who their left their starting left back was. As is well. that the Premier League Stephen Craney? Uh, no, their starting left back was uh, very nearly Leeds United's Andre Blackman. He was taken off either injured. There was a story I heard somebody who claimed to have been sitting behind the bench said that he was taken off for being rubbish after, I think it was about 20 minutes. Apparently the Ma- Lee Clark had spent the first 20 minutes yelling at Andre Blackman on the far side of the pitch basically to sort his entire life out, realised he wasn't getting anywhere, that he was ruining his system. And uh, obsessed with systems for. (laughs) Well, the system. I don't know. Did Blackpool have a system other than play to lose? Because they really were playing to lose Mm. in the first half. They were awful. But on the upside, what about the second goal? Probably the best goal we've scored in. Well, beyond a good strike kind of goal, the best actual team goal I've seen in Mm. years. When you say team goal. I don't mean to belittle what was a great goal. Well, you know, just the few good players we've got. <laughs> yeah. Didn't it go Byram, Tavares, Cook, Tavares, and then he just ran away, and then he gave it to Dakara, and he fluked it in, if I remember correctly. I'll tell you what, I'm fed up of him getting these bloody lucky goals. He's never going to score. He doesn't look like scoring, does he? It was funny, this one, because after all the great effort of the entire team, getting, it, getting the ball to him in that situation, he looked like he was being so careful with the shot it wasn't like it wasn't like a Bradley Johnson hammer into the south stand or the one time against Arsenal when it went in it was a real kind of I really need to take care here because if I miss I'm going to ruin everything no pressure the wrath of Moscow would have been something to behold after that I just assumed he wasn't going to score because he didn't really look like scoring until the ball hit the back of the net Mm. but then he did just get it inside the post and yeah, and so we've got a lot to thank Tavares for. Is it worth pointing out that uh, Joe Belushi was out of this one and Cooper came in and we were steadier at the back? Or is it all, again, tempered, as Michael says, by the fact that they're a uh, League One or below club? And we, I suppose we did still let, again, almost Leeds United player. Blackman and Ranger must have been looking at Nicky Jose in the stand or wherever he was and thinking, could have been me that signed up on a nice three-year hockey day deal. Uh, but yeah, we did let him score and he's basically shit. And we were pretty close to letting them score too many goals in the second half. It was a strange one because it was the reverse of Bournemouth. Bournemouth has been red as his, as his, his highlight of his entire life, probably, so far. Um, <laughs> I'm sure when, his wife would agree. Uh, she's a Leeds fan. Well, they're not married, are they? Aren't they just living lovers? I don't know. Common law wife, <laughs> whatever. Thorpe Arts is like an island where they live in sin. So Bournemouth, but if you remember the first half at Bournemouth, at halftime, everybody, there was like, people were, I think if it had been Elland Road, people would have left. But if you made all the fuss of going all the way down to Bournemouth, you might as well stay. Second half, absolutely brilliant. And everybody left that night feeling top of the world. Leeds United are going up as fucking champions. This was the reverse. Halftime, top of the world. Leeds United are going up as fucking champions. By the end of it, it was just kind of like, I really wish this just stop because if we carry on, Blackpool are going to score. Ranger hat trick and then 
crane, you'll get one. And it, I don't think crane is there anymore. Well, we can pretend. A metaphorical crane. <laughs> Whatever best represented crane in that team after Black, Blackman had gone off. Yeah, and it just kind of dwindled away into nothing. But Cooper did look good. The team looked ace in the first half. Tavares let Dakara steal the best lead goal in years off him. And uh, and there's nothing wrong with Cooper's goal either as well. That was a pretty exciting... Good it. A good it. Can't remember, who scored the third? Antonucci, but it was heavily deflected. Oh, OK. Oh, but it was still, a, wasn't it still quite a decent bouncing ball, hammered it in from the edge of the box. We always score from the edge of the box. But yeah, we, we, our it, goals it, come from between the 15 and the 20-yard range, don't yeah. they? Yeah. No, yeah. We just don't ever get into the penalty area. But that maybe that will come one day. And from Blackpool onto Blackburn couple of Saturdays afterwards, after the international break. Highlight from this one, not to mention the 7,000 fans in attendance. Dakara, still off the boil with his shooting. Never looks like scoring. And as you were saying, never scored from inside the box. Yeah. And And just not from set pieces either. No. Um, Again, this is another goal that we really need to just give to Tavares because uh, it should never have been a corner. That ball should have been in the top corner. But um, whoever that Egypt was in Blackburn's goal, fluked a save. And we had to settle for scoring from the subsequent corner. It was practically a deflection, wasn't it? Blackburn really? Rovers. Well, Blackburn Rovers did the with the Corinthian spirit in which I love to see the modern game played. Did say Leeds, you know, that should have been a goal. You can score from this corner. He doesn't really look like he's going to get a goal all season. Why don't you let Takara score? And so they did, and that was good of them. But really, Tavares, two games, two goals, great return. <laughs> he is genuinely starting to look like our best player now, which is nice to see because I, th- I think there was a worry when he. The, as the weeks went on and he hadn't made an appearance, you were starting to think, actually, is this guy nothing like he's been made out to be? Is and he the real deal? Yeah, Redfern's watching him in training and thinking, oh dear, this, is, a, this, is, an, this is an Ali Dyer <laughs> situation, but we're stuck with him for the season. He got the skills. Well, he terrifies teams. And what terrifies... It's, it's almost like, sorry to interrupt, it's almost like having a player that runs at other people scares them. Yeah, um, at the level of football we're at, um, what terrifies me and scares me is that the response is going to be to kill him. I've You're going to kill him? No. Can we, we've, <laughs> From, got that, we've got this recorded on audio, by the way, Michael. The, a championship defender might just think, I can't cope with this and just do him some serious damage. You can't. If you go to that, follow that to a logical conclusion, though, you end up with a Warnock team where you have the things that no one wants to break or could break. And you have yeah. Michael Brown because he's yeah. like an old banger. Nobody really cares. You can leave unlocked and no one's going to steal it or damage it. <laughs> David Norris. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. Norris um, still hasn't gone anywhere, has he? No. I know, I know we'll, we'll get on to transfers. <laughs> he still ain't gone anywhere, has the he? The unflushable turd. <laughs> so back to the Blackburn game. Yes, they had that lad sent off. Didn't he used to play for us once back in the day? As, a, as yeah. a baby. As a baby. I don't think... Are you trying to imply that we should pay his fine? Maybe he was ex- he was just extra fired up because it was Leeds, I don't know. Well, we'll move on to Luke Varney in a short while. Yeah, I didn't really see what happened with the sending off, but apparently he, he tackled Cooper. It was a sending off. It was one of those where the defender clears it and he kind of took his standing leg. It was, a second, was it a second yellow? Yeah. Um, and then Joe Belushi made a triumphant return in midfield, gave the ball away, and then obviously we saw the end result when... Uh, Luke Varney cheated his way to victory. We've, we're not covered yet, the yeah, spectacular fuck-up that, that happened before then. Do we have to talk about Are that? Are we pretending it didn't happen? Yeah, because well, we seem to be talking about one every podcast now. For Blackburn, see Cardiff. Yeah, they've yeah. pra- the practised it straight off the training ground, this one. <laughs> Another one. You could, the personnel, that's the thing when you've got a system. Yeah. The players can change, 
but you know everyone knows the jobs total football in a way just take one out slot another one in exactly and it's still exactly the same quality I don't know Sylvester needs to either stay in his goal where he can stop anything or if he's coming out just uh, playing midfield maybe or playing midfield or just um, hammer Cooper when it, when necessary shouldn't be afraid of going straight through him and clearing the ball you know, we're not talking lads that's what a Sunday league manager would say. Yeah. I didn't hear a shout. That's what Hockaday would, would have said. Well, this would never have happened under Hockaday. Because really, under Hockaday, nothing much did. Um, the goal, Even the goals against under Hockaday were pretty boring. And Silvestre was good under Hockaday. I mean, if you look back, the things that didn't happen under Hockaday. Silvestre didn't cock up. Belusky wasn't racist. Um, we didn't score. We don't score. Well, Dukara didn't, certainly didn't score. Dukara, well, he doesn't really look like scoring now. Tavares wasn't in danger and Antonucci wasn't offside Antonucci was not offside and David Norris was actually playing so we were getting some some value for our investment so really when you look back he doesn't look too bad in retrospect let's talk about Leeds legend Luke Varney the man who stole the show then the man who stole Christmas I'm sure he steals Christmas presents that's his next plan from orphans from orphans and from Leeds orphans I think we the thing that has to be remembered about Luke Varney is he hates Leeds United and he has hated Leeds United since the day he signed and he will hate Leeds United until the day he dies does he hate Leeds United as much as Leeds United hates him Um, not anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's strange with Luke Varney because given that he's got such a horrible face (laughs) It's a face with a message. Ah, that picture of him on the phone in the ticket office. On the phones, sorry, Mm, in the ticket office. There's one upside down. He's a grinning simpleton, isn't he? He's a grinning simpleton with I hate Leeds etched into every wrinkle on his... He has got a face like a pineapple. That's a strange thing. And then that little Muppet-like tuft of hair on top of his pointy head. Um... (laughs) And I just there's, there's a bubbling rage here. I think it might be time to for, for newer listeners. By the way, you may or may not be familiar with Moscow's book of petty grievances <laughs> that um, we unveiled a year or two back, where Moscow just jotted down everything that annoyed him about everything. It's kind of been replaced, I guess, by the Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite Award. But mm. it's almost worth cracking that book back out, starting a new volume, and getting that twat on page. I one. imagine there's probably there is probably a volume dedicated to Varney well, already. If we look through from Varney. His, He's running out of running out of play, missing from a yard, falling over his own shoelaces, mm-hmm. all that was, kind of and stuff. What was the original sin? Replacing, Replacing Robert Snodgrass. Robert Snodgrass. Mm. We were told, weren't we told? It's like ah, oh, you know, I mean, Robert Robert's a great player, but his heart's not in Leeds. You know, you can't have players in the team whose hearts are in Leeds. And it's like, and I've no, I've wanted to sign Luke Varney. Oh. Oh, how Sharon has heard how much I want to sign Luke Varney. She says sometimes, sometimes I wake up in the night screaming his name, but she, she says, you know, she says she honestly doesn't mind. But you know, it's normally those nights. If I, if 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 she's not in bed when I wake up in the morning and she's in the uh, she's in the spare room, it's generally uh, I, I, it's then that I've got to get on the phone to Luke and say, "Hey, you, you're ruining my marriage." Uh, <laughs> We had a horrible glimpse into uh, what Sharon might have to face. Did you see Warnock celebrating on the touchline when Palace yeah. beat Liverpool? What, did he have an erection? Well, he was all, because it was raining, he was all like, it looked like he was kind of doused in sweat and he was the, the ecstasy on his face. Bearing down on you. He just, he just gave me a little glimpse as to, as to how, he's, how he, may, uh, he may arrive on an evening. 
Uh, well, anyway, back to the Blackburn game. And do you all hold Sam Byron culpable for sticking his leg out, or is it just bollocks? A bit, but he, he stuck it out, but then he also moved it out of the way before Luke Varney threw well, his leg. Well, to be fair, Varney was already going down, wasn't he, by the time that he, leg went out? Well, he threw his, he threw his own legs sideways into Byron. It should have been a yellow card for a foul on Byron and then a yellow card for diving. And then he should have been <laughs> shot on the way off. Yes. I think the only blame you can apportion to Sam Byram is that having played with him for a couple of seasons, he should know what a cheating, elite-hating bastard he is and just go nowhere near him. I was going to ask because Gary Bowyer, Blackburn boss, reckons it was a stonewall penalty. Well, he's a cheat as well then. Yeah, simple. Uh, Redders thinks we deserve to win. That's the bottom line. Well, he's a cheater. Oh, no, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to show every Redders is that this game needed calming down. And what did he do to calm it down? <laughs> <laughs> he brought on Belushi in a central midfield position. I did find that a little bit odd because that is one of those things that you see people sort of suggest on Wacko, for example. Could Belushi be a midfielder? He's crap in defence. He is following the David Luiz pattern with, we can't have him back there. Yeah. Put um, him further up where he can't cause as much damage. Oh, no, he's giving it away. Yeah, he can still cause damage wherever he goes. And you do wonder like how much thought had gone into that, whether it's a something that they've actually practised in training or whether he's just gone, oh, I'll give it a go. Giuseppe, get in there. What was interesting though is uh, he did manage to dislodge Bianchi, who isn't easy to dislodge from this team. Bianchi feels like the one sort of weak link to me, but he's also speculated about that he is one of the Chilino undroppables. But then we thought that about Belushki as well. So if Belushki can be dropped, Bianchi can be dropped, we can get Rudy Austin back in when he's back from when he's got his head back from Jamaica. Flying in the day before the game is never going to give us an option. And Silvestri can also be dropped. And then Dukara, given how uh, out of form he is, not scored for a while, we can maybe get Ajo's back in the team. Well, at least we could have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all this um, leaves us in well, hovering... Not precariously over the relegation zone, but we are what? We oh, I, I'd, I'd say it is precarious, personally. I'd yeah. take precarious A couple over of points. being, you know, Black smack pole. bang in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the bare facts are we have one win in ten. I mean, I only saw ten games in, on the form table, so I don't know how much further back the... The, the problem goes, but we've uh, played 18, we've got 20 points. We're averaging about 1.111111 points <laughs> per game, recurring forever, which over spread over 46 games would give us 51 points. So on current form, we would just shade uh, mm. avoiding the drop, probably. Um, we are two points above the drop zone, 10 points below the playoffs. Are we worried yet? Yeah. We beat Blackpool. At least we've got an easy run of games coming up. We, we beat Blackpool. And we always, we always do well over Christmas and, and in the period just after as well. The first half was against Blackpool was good. Yeah. I think if we... Maybe, I suppose you've got 45 minutes of your, your end of season video right there. Put that on. Huddersfield game. First half against Blackpool. Second half against Bournemouth. Done. There we go. The News. Let's start this section as always when we have some to talk about with transfers. Now, unfortunately, there's there's nobody's been fired by the way in this fortnight, so the sacking siren remains redundant. Directors today. have changed. I think that's almost a sacking. Close enough. I would have thought so. You can, yeah, you can play it okay. at, the, oh, at the appropriate given juncture. Yeah. What we've used the sacking siren for in the past. Okay, seems fair. Uh, anyway, first let's deal with the transfers as mentioned. Noel Hunt has been demonised. <laughs> Among the online online Leeds fan base, um, he's gone to Ipswich till January. Has he been demonised? Is it unfair or is it warranted? When you look at his fantastic goal scoring record, it speaks for itself. I don't want to be unkind about Noel Hunt because you have to interview him. 
Well, no, he's fucked off to Ipswich, so I'm quite pleased. Thank God. I don't want to be unkind about no hunt. But you're probably going to be. But it's hard to be kind. I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't work. It and doesn't seem like a bad bloke, does it? That's the thing. It's That's bit. it. There's some, there's some turn up, take the piss. I can think of... For some reason, I'm thinking of Luke Varney again. Luke Varney played more games for Leeds United than uh, Noel Hunt did. Scored more goals for Leeds United than uh, Noel Hunt did. But I will always hate Luke Varney with a burning, fiery passion that I will never have for Noel Hunt because he just seemed like... It just didn't work, you know. An injury buggered him, and then he couldn't get back in the team. When he did get in the team, it was a team that was shit, and he wasn't good enough to sort it out. Obviously, and there was the Chilino phone call as well, which where he was mistaken for, for Kebe, wasn't he? They're, they're and, so alike. Yeah, and um, so obviously that, that then made him the bad guy in many Leeds fans' eyes, didn't he, for daring to take a wage? Yeah, and no way was he taking the wage that, um, that was being reported. Um, he was probably one of our better paid players and he didn't do enough to earn it but it happens doesn't it it happens hello Steve Morrison well exactly and he's still here one thing we can be slightly resentful um, about is that he's gone to a club that's fourth in the table Well, this he's going to be promoted this is it and it's like I think when everybody piles on his back and goes oh you're shit and if he comes back I assume he probably isn't allowed to play against us but if he gets you're too shit to play for Leeds I don't think he is. I think he's probably perfectly good enough to play for Leeds and could probably have been very good for us and will probably be ace for Ipswich. It just didn't work. So what can you do? It does. It, sometimes it doesn't. Well, he's been fairly gracious about the whole thing. He's taken the abuse in good humour as well and he's had a lot of it, let's face it. So fair enough, good luck to him. And he's going to yeah. be out of contract in the summer, so that'll be that, I think. When Tavares can have his number 10 ship. Nicky. And M- Morrison can have nine. Yay. Oh, happy days. Uh, he's only got a year left after that. Oh, brilliant. Um, Nicky Jose has gone to crew. At least he's out of contract at the end of the season as well. Uh, um, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but what's, that? what's he got left? Two and a half years after this? Is that all? What happened? I mean, uh, Dave Hockaday happened. That's what happened. Yeah, but Dave, uh, Dave Hockaday may have happened, but Massimo Cellino runs this club like a micromanaging fool. Right, right now, what time is it? It's ten to seven. He's probably in his office. He'll have a big glass of whiskey there. He'll just have one desk lamp shining down and he'll be going through receipts for staplers and he'll be livid. He'll want these staplers on his desk. He'll be crying out to know why we're spending so much money on staplers. Nicky A. Jones on a two and a half year, three and a half year contract. Hey, fine, David, I trust you. I like your face. It's just mental. How can he be such a penny-pinching, I mean, even down to the point where the turnstiles open half an hour later to try and cut costs on match day, and yet the yang to this ying is Nicky A. Jose's three-and-a-half-year contract. He got three years, to be fair. Okay, three years. There's a middleman as well. Salerno, presumably, has passed over this contract Hey, Nicky, do you think this is all right? Will you sign this David guy? I never speak to him. (laughs) They they talk, they have the same voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Wooton has gone to Rotherham on loan. He gets to look at Luciano Becchio every day. I bet he gets to like see him get changed and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, again, any particular feelings on this or just like, you know, Goes whatever. in that treatment room, doesn't he? Luciano's all there, get, soaped up. Getting a rub down. Uh, Wooton just needs to not come back. Okay. You know. That's, I think, that probably is a little bit different to Hunt because I put Wooton in the category where I expected us to sign better players than Wooton and I think McDermott expected us to sign better players than Wooton in this season. And in a way we have, so it's like, all right, you were here for a year, it didn't really work, get lost. He seemed like a logical enough signing at the time. Yeah. 
young defender from with decent pedigree and but yeah, he turned out to not be very good. And we didn't give him a three year contract either, crucially. Is he or is he gone at the end of the season? I don't think he's like a long term investment for us, was he? One just to mention then is Matthew Smith, who has departed Fulham, having departed us only a few months ago, to Bristol City on loan. Is this is this worthy of a sacking siren? Nah. It's, mm, it's a little bit odd. I mean, has he played many games? What's happened to him? I know we got sent off, but... I think that was about it. Yeah, and then they've changed their manager since buying him, haven't they? So maybe Ross McCormack isn't picking the team anymore. But yeah, I mean... Bristol, apparently good side on the way up. Matt Smith still think he's a good player. Yeah, Ipswich and Bristol will probably end up having more successful seasons in their respective divisions than we will. So I don't know if we can necessarily sneer at either of them for their post-Leeds careers. But um, I think Matt Smith's better than League One. On the transfers front then, we looks like we're getting a new ass man, which is good news. Pardon? New assistant manager. Oh. It was abbreviated to Assman, wasn't it, on the uh, Leeds Twitter account, yes. historically, if you remember. I do remember. Which brought many a titter. A, um, a titter as well as an ass. Yeah, indeed. This is quite a man you're building. Yes, well now uh, Massimo's back from his little break in Miami. We can do things again, so it looks like we're getting Steve Thompson from Huddersfield, although it will probably require some form of compensation. And so it's stuff, not so happening. It's not happened yet. So it's never going to happen, is Maybe it? Maybe not. No, we're never going to have an assistant manager. I think your dogs have probably still got more chance of being assistant manager than, uh, than this guy. Massimo's been back for a week. He's been doing if he's not sorted out an assistant manager for Redders. Say, hey, you did fine without one. I, I didn't see second half Blackpool. I missed Blackburn game. <laughs> I assume you win. It's all right. Well, one thing he has been dealing with is... Hey, I help you out. I come on bench. <laughs> I, sit, I sit with you, Redders. I'd be, be, like, I'd be, be like the old man. Be like the old times when I used to sit with Carlo. I used to say to him, like, oh, he used to show me what he did. I give him sponge. He give me orange. One thing he has been dealing with is this historical debt from the Bates era, the winding up petition that was uh, levied by Melvin Levi. Uh, that's been dismissed. On he owned a- the club so long ago. How is this st- stuff still going on? On a technical point, it was Melvin Levi's solicitors who were owed this money, wasn't it? And ah, yes. Actually putting in the the winding up petition. However, if you only went by the statement on the Leeds United official website, you would think it was Melvin Levi who had put in the winding up petition because that is what they said. But they also said that, you know, uh, Darko Milanic was started World War One or whatever it was when they said he, he ran Hungary. So, yeah, Ken never arranged to pay the solicitors that won the case um, against him, which means us, I already did at the time, we, we never, probably never sent the bill. So the only way you can get your money out of Leeds United these days, apparently, is to stick in a winding up petition. What does Dave Whelan think about him? Now then, <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on, speaking of directors and whatnot, uh, okay then, we'll, we'll fire it up, we'll do it, let's let's do it, there's the sacking siren. I wouldn't like to go without, not without te- one. Not technically sacked, but... Well, we don't know. That's true. On the way out, I mean, I can't imagine David Haig, um, Korean much favourite GFHHQ. Anyway, the news is today that David Haig and Salah Nuruddin are no longer directors of Leeds United. Haig, not so much a surprise because he's obviously going to struggle to fulfil his uh, directorly duties at the minute. I think he's otherwise occupied. He could do it by DM over Twitter. However, Nuruddin, potentially slightly more significant. Um, GFH have said in response to this today that he just decided he'd had enough when Chilino took over, which seems fair enough. Had enough of what? 
What did you do? Couldn't be bothered of it, you know, not asked. I don't want to be chairman anymore. Yeah, you be chairman. You do it, yeah. That was basically, I mean, he did seem to just become chairman when I was like, oh, does anyone want to be chairman? Oh, Salah, you, you ain't done anything for a while. It's got to be your turn to do something. Oh, I don't want to be chairman. He did that one interview, didn't he, that 10-minute one where he talked about the brand and all the stuff and everyone kind of went, oh, could be a decent chap. Um, no, he's he's a bot. He's a, he's a robot. He's yeah, not, he's, not, he's a robot. He's not real. And then he's disappeared since then, hasn't he? But although he's uh, he started his uh, occasional chairman's notes in the program, but he didn't quite have that Bates panache. Well, the, the news here is that um, we have ended up with a pair of Patels because um, the board. There's <laughs> two two of them. <laughs> the, um, the board requires that we have at least two GFH reps in a board um, sized of at least five. Um, so we have Salim Patel and Jinesh Patel, who was David Haig's replacement as the head of GFH Capital. Are we sure one of these isn't just Eleonora in a suit? It could be. Check the shoes. Yeah. Check, check the shoes. <laughs> the, Chilino the, fam- the, the Chilino family pulling us some kind of incredible double bluff. Have you have you met uh, Jinesh Eleonora? She, she your new representative. <laughs> oh, Massimo, please stop this. We're a reputable bank. Speaking of, of David Haig, he's um, he's doing well to tweet quite a lot from prison anyway. Mm. Um, so let's quickly... Fighting a good fight, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a humanitarian, really. Yeah. Um, like uh, so many investment banker Tories working in Dubai, he's really just all about human rights. That's, that is so true. And, and not only that, but let's face it, he's a freedom fighter. Yes. I saw the quote of the poem Invictus which was the one that Nelson Mandela used to read when he was on Robben Island. and so he, For the, the old... When he got done for the old embezzlement. Yeah, that one. And he, um, <laughs> he he used to read it to the other prisoners to lift their spirits. Who were also probably in for, like, yeah. fraud. Yeah. I would imagine. Misappropriation yeah. of funds, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There, was oh, a, there was a lot of white-collar crime uh, yeah. being punished on, uh, on that yeah. island. Yeah. In apartheid South Africa, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, the two... Hard, hard to tell them apart, really. And and I mean, he's he's got all these that heart wrenching statement he put out as well, where saying how GFH have been picking on him really, and they've been um, making public some elements of his private life and stuff. And it, I mean, you wouldn't expect that of the man who instigated things like Project Looper, mm-hmm. um, you know, the investigation into Gary Cooper, which culminated in the Daily Mail publishing some stories about him. I mean, David Haig's qualified on these things. He knows how bad things can get. Yeah, he speaks from a position of real experience and it's emotional sometimes to read what he's managing, the few words he can get out from his cell. And I thought that to close that uh, that statement with, what was it? Hashtag <laughs> MOT, hashtag free Haig. I thought it was hashtag just, all leads aren't we? Was that one of them? <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but well, really, I mean, that would have just been tipped me over into tears if that had been included as well. Um, yes, it is very moving. Hilarious, by the way, that um, today. I mean, it was me who challenged whoever it is that's operating Hague's uh, tw- uh, Twitter account. Uh, about suppressing the truth and silencing mm. people. He's suggesting that that's what GFH trying to do with him. Now, pot and kettle situation here because I called them out on this is that the number of people that were issued legal threats and they suppressed stories about information that is in the public domain about companies that were registered in david haig's name in the past that were referred to he didn't like it it was suppressed via legal threats yeah little bit hypocritical that's all i'm going to say on it it's massively hypocritical because it's exactly the same he's picking up on the fact that simon o'rourke the canadian based blogger who's kicking up poking a lot of people with a lot of long sticks, not all of them sharp. 
has been sent a cease and desist letter from GFH, and so David Haig, as a freedom fighter, is is picking up the mantle to protect his rights to free speech, and then uh, because bloggers should be allowed to speak the truth. However, the bloggers who spoke the truth about David Haig got letters from him um, of exactly the same. But he's tenor, a changed man now. Him to, well, he's a he's a jailed man, and I suspect. <laughs> Um, that's all that is bringing about the change, and that if he becomes a free man again, I suspect we may see a, another sudden change in his character. It's like, uh, yes, I'm out. It's like, right, David, you said you were going to tell us everything. Ah, yes, well, you see, the deal I had to strike to get out, you would not believe what I've had to sign up to. <laughs> um, did I imagine it? Because I can't find it now. But when I came out on the Blackburn game on Saturday night, I looked on Twitter, yes. and I swear to God that they, there yes. was a tweet from David Haig's Twitter account <laughs> saying... That no, there was, I know what you're going to say, you didn't imagine it. There was going to be a like a free David Haig <laughs> protest outside Elland Road at the Derby well, game. Well, it was going to be an anti-GFH protest, I think. Right, was the yes, it was a GFH out protest. Yes, and um, <laughs> in, a, in a fit of incredibly bad timing, <laughs> they've now deleted these tweets. That's why you can't find it. Because a great number of Leeds fans jumped on this and said, you just don't understand. You don't get it, you idiots. I can imagine him posting a picture of just people at the Derby game and saying, look, this, what are these people here for? Free David Haig. That's what this is all about. Those riots in America, what's that all about? Free David Haig. Well, he did... It's going worldwide. He did suggest... Change.org. In his long... In his long letter that... Um, People, people are sending him match reports in jail and like writing to he him. He doesn't and give a shit. Stuff. He's um, in jail in Dubai for embezzlement. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants to get out. Stop it, writing to him. Well, I'm not even oh, sure. No, Hunt's been <laughs> shipped out on loan. That's that's a oh, shame. Gosh. I liked him. Well, do, do you think it can Meanwhile, really happen? Here I am, seven months later, no charges. Lost eight stone in weight. That was in the first week he lost eight stone. <laughs> but are we sure that this I mean, is happening? God. Are we sure that this isn't just his PR company telling him? He's got like, writing, No, writing him letters as yeah. if they were from Leeds fans. I, because I can't imagine who is actually <laughs> sitting down and going, oh, you know what, that David Haig, I think I better... He, he only seems to be like in constant telephone and Twitter contact with the world. <laughs> I better let him know what the score was. It's not happening. But I can imagine, just to keep his spirits up, either a, a misguided friend or a PR company going, you know what, let's just make David think that all the Leeds fans are behind him and we'll buy enough Twitter <laughs> followers by the time he's out so it'll look as if they are. I saw a clip the other day of um, this man who I think calls himself Mr Christmas who celebrates Christmas every day of the year and he sends himself Christmas cards to oh, cheer you know himself I bet, up. I, I bet he's fun. I imagine there's a bit of that going on with David. Oh, David, you've got some post. <laughs> to David, from David. Oh, good luck, David. I know you've done nothing wrong. Oh, that's <laughs> super. I'll put that one on the board with the others. From this nice gentleman, David. I mean, uh, it's mentioned... Uh, <laughs> where is our... Um... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, LUFC Twitter is mentioned briefly elsewhere on the on the, the news sheet here. They were proud to tell us that the LUFC Twitter account has 100,000 followers, which is great. Um, however, That's great. That is great news. Yeah, it is good. I mean, I remember in back in the days when the LUFC Twitter was Paul Jews and Tom Kerwin, we were crying out for an actual Twitter account, like an actual football club. We have one. It's got 100,000 followers. That's good. But it's still 21,000 followers less than David Haig has got. And so I decided, you know, you have a quick look to see who is following, who are these supporters that are following David Haig and just uh, chosen at random. I'm guessing in quite a lot of eggs. Asthma. Asthma. This, one, this one has actually got a uh, um, at pixel underscore asthma does actually have a picture um, and, and the bio says on this site you will find information on asthma. So they're following David Haig so that's good. We have got scroll down a little bit at L187 Deadline, which is elevator inspections. If you're looking to hire an expert for energy auditing, energy benchmarking and retro commissioning in New York City, they're the people to go to. Fight, are, fight us for justice. They are following him. Uh, Bradford, um, at City Brad 4. They don't have a uh, an icon or a bio, but they're, they're backing um, David Haig. Ginny, at Synergy 55. We'll probably find Synergy 54 and Synergy 53 in here <laughs> Good night, somewhere. club, that. Synergy 54. <laughs> um, yeah, but all these people are backing David Haig's That's campaign. That's good news. Well, listen... It's going to be a great it, turnout for the Derby game. <laughs> De- protest, the Derby protest. 120,000 people there. Anyway, let's move on from David Haig. We've said enough about him. Um, well, that's it. I mean, the important thing to underline is that the, the real... The current tragedy amongst the series of tragedies that keep affecting David Haig's tragic life is that the only audience he has for the fact that he is in jail wrongly um, in Dubai without charge and needs to be either charged or freed is Leeds fans. And that is the one audience that really does not give a fuck. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I would be interested in the truth of what went on with GFH. Yes, but really, I just don't care. Care about him on a human level that he needs to have justice and freedom. But just stop mithering I find I like the way he ends all his statements as well. He's kind of doing all this, the truth will out, power to the people, this oppression must end. And then he sends one, but my regards to the the wonderful people in Dubai who are holding me here without charge and who whip me on a daily basis. I do deserve it. (laughs) The, Thank you for the, being so kind to give me a bowl of porridge once a week. The police have been wonderful. Really oh. cruel. <laughs> Amazing. Right, um, let's move on to another comedy figure. David Dave Hockaday. He, I thought you were going to say Ken Bates. He's got, uh, we'll move on to him in a minute. Uh, he's got a new job. 
let me tell you, this is not any football club he's got a job at. It's not Swindon Standard Marine. No, no. Swindon Super Marine. Boom, boom. There we go. They're in the eighth tier of English football, which means they will be uh, in the Champions League in about 2023 with the Hawks' intervention. Probably sooner than us. Yeah, well, with yeah. Hawk, yeah. He's, he's back on the ladder, isn't he? Back on the ladder. He'll be... He'll be Right back in the football league. His job there isn't it like special advisor or something? He's basically a consultant. I mean, uh, at Swindon Supermarine. Yeah. What was the? Uh, the I've done quote? a report. Um, what you need to do is bang it in <laughs> in training. <laughs> what was the quote from their manager? Wasn't it just like I can't believe that somebody of the stature of Dave Hockaday has agreed to come and work at Swindon Supermarine, trading <laughs> off his past successes at Leeds United. I mean, I we did, and that. that's what he was pointing to. He's like, oh, he's, he's managed Forest Green Rovers been yep. a coach at Leeds and we we said at the time that he won't be able to get a job back in football because we thought that name might help him but just assumed that people would go oh coach at Leeds you got my interest oh it's Dave Hockaday now that he was shit but somebody has had to go coach at Leeds we can have a Leeds coach wow <laughs> well there was an internet rumour that um, he was being touted for the Cheltenham job in League 2 which may end up fulfilling what you said Michael that he would end up yeah, back in the football pyramid lower down based purely on the Leeds job. With that, well, it could be based on the great work he's doing at Swindon Supermarine. Is it a, a, a chance that he could spend less time at Swindon Supermarine than he spent at, with us? <laughs> I don't think that's possible, is so it? These jobs just get keep getting short. Well, if he goes straight from there to Cheltenham, it's like, that would be amazing. Like a revolving door in the Hockaday household. Maybe, he'll, maybe he's going for uh, the full 92. <laughs> what like a challenge? Yeah, yeah. Good luck to him. Um, You'll see him in the scum job before the end of the season. Absolutely, he'll get he'll get in that Champions League before. Oh no, he won't. No, sorry, he won't. Um, Excellent. Yes, very good. Let's move on to the weekly Ken, or is it the fortnightly Ken? Uh, us listening to Ken Bates' interviews, so you don't have to. I did the stint this week. Yep. Yeah. Um, well done to you for that. I was the hundred and thirty fifth viewer. And how long has it been online? Um, a week, because the other one, the, the latest one, has actually gone up uh, as we've started recording this. So um, 135 views in one week. That's like 20 a day. All of those will be coming out of the Radio Yorkshire office, let's face it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's relatively uh, held back. Given he was discussing things like Ched Evans, Malcolm <laughs> Mackay... <laughs> Dave, it, Dave Whelan? Dave Whelan gets... It, things could have got, things could have been a lot worse. Vincent Tan? That's what I'll say. <laughs> why, don't, why don't they just take him to an actual minefield and let him find his way out instead of this <laughs> metaphorical one they keep putting him in. However, you have spotted a new trend with the interviewer. KB. Calling him KB. Hey, KB. Yeah. You can tell it, you can tell it rattles him as well. It actually genuinely rattles him. So who you calling me, KB? Mr. Mr. Chairman. No, because you've got to be down with the kids, you see, Ken. Uh, Kenny boy, uh, we've decided we want to get the youth audience on there. Uh, on... <laughs> funky Radio nickname for Ken Bates. <laughs> funky Radio Yorkshire's going to get a funky nickname for Funky KB. <laughs> What we're, what we're going to do is we've seen that rap with the uh, the Chuckle Brothers and Tinchy Strider. So you and Dizzy Rascal, by the end of the season, it's going to go viral. You Special won't believe K. it. Dizzy who? I want to go home now. <laughs> you are at home, Ken. It's a phone line. Ken's had a little bit of a, a David Haig change of opinion as well because he's having his rant about FIFA in it and saying how they're, they're a corrupt organisation. Oh, God, don't you just hate corruption? Yep. Hate corruption. Oh, Ken, um, do- Ken does. Ken hates oh, that's it. That's good to know. Ken hates it. He hates the fact that the World Cup bidding process has been a stitch up because he wouldn't like to be involved in an administrative process that 
appeared to the outside world to be a, an obvious stitch up. Obviously, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. Astor and Crato will back him up on that, no doubt. And only him. Um, and also, he, what he really hates is when FIFA go into a country <sighs> where there are some poor people and, and basically ruin it and take loads of money out. And he wouldn't ever do that either. No, would he? definitely not. No. It must be awful for that to happen. And he's, well, he's got no previous with having done that. It does make you wonder that if David Haig had been available and Ken Bates could sing, whether they would both have been on the uh, the Band-Aid 7 or whatever the most recent <laughs> one is, records, in place of Adele. God, Ken was singing it, it would take forever. It'd be <laughs> like Feed a 25-minute <laughs> song. Feed the... Who's paying for it? <laughs> Feed the... Me, <laughs> Beef, Wellington. But he's had a, he's had a bit I, of. I've um, arranged to send a, a a friend of mine. He is a chef. He will be going out to Ghana <laughs> to give him Beef Wellington. Yeah. Just one though. But, uh, the Africans don't deserve anything. He will be wearing his hazmat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, well, let's just pick out a couple of the highlights from this interview. We haven't got time to sort of do them all, but his words about um, the Malky Mackay incident, uh, there's a couple of particular words that he tried out. That He likes to invent words these he's days. Had, well, he's had a bit of a village antis moment while talking about the, the sort of communications. I mean, I've, maybe he meant to say this. Do we, we, want... we don't know necessarily the nature of the messages Susanna sends to him. First of all, let's not beat about the bush. An awful lot of sexy, sexist <laughs> type of text. Sexy sexist type of text. No, it was sextist, wasn't it? Yeah. It's sexy sextist. He's amazing. I love he, he then starts, I mean, he's rambling away in the background there. What he's actually talking about is how high level politicians and so called TV celebrities are sending sexy, sexy, sextist texts to each other. And I do kind of wonder if it's if that is born of jealousy. He's like, oh, here, Cat Dooley sends sexy, sexist texts to Piers Morgan. All the time. <laughs> the so-called celebrities, why don't I get sexy sex cat dealing? So basically he was blaming Vincent Tan, yeah? Um, and he, he also mentioned that Richard Scudamore, obviously, which is kind of related to all this, mm. sent some texist messages, which yes. is good. About, right, about, I don't know if there were sexy texist messages, these ones. Well, he, he, all he has to say about those is they were about some girl in his office, which... Um, so he's fighting some, the... Some tartar he employed. Fighting the good fight for uh, women's rights there. He also says that on, on the Ched Evans thing, he said it was unfortunate because Sheffield United are one of those clubs that has a lot of female fans. Lady fans. A lot of lady fans. <laughs> I'm just not I'd, sure he's correct. Uh, well, I think the ones I think what he's probably realised is that people are maybe speaking out slightly more because they don't want a convicted rapist playing for them. Whether it's true or not that they have a lot of lady fans, <laughs> I would say it would probably have been more unfortunate if it happened at a club that had 100% male fans. It was like, Ugh. I don't know. Um, and finally, then we've got we've got to give mention to this brilliant competition, which you should def- definitely enter. Um, the- <laughs> Is this what I didn't realise? It actually costs a quid. Yeah, it costs a quid to enter, and you've got no, to. That's, te- well, I, I don't, that's for the derby game. The quid to enter. Oh right. If you, if you want to have a go in his box, it's, that's a quid. Is that the one that we were encouraging everybody to try and just yeah. get into? And now it costs a pound. Yeah, the yeah. price point now. Putting them off. <laughs> we had too many entrants from the wrong sort of people. <laughs> well. They, they- it's, they've got two tickets for the semi-final and the final of the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> this is Ken's words. Somebody explain this. I can't do it. Well, don't, don't I don't know us, how to explain. I don't think well, none of us. I don't think are particularly into um, Formula One, but I, I, I think I understand it enough to know there aren't semi-finals. There's a race. There's a qualifying round and a race. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
the semi-finals and the final, <laughs> the regional northern area final of the Monaco Grand Prix. I believe they have heats during the week. But the, this is the kicker. So they're giving away this brilliant package for the semi-final and the final of the Monaco Grand Prix. But actually, what's in the package? The tickets. Just the tickets. So, it, so you got to get there under your own steam because, as uh, Ken says, you, you might want to drive. <laughs> yeah, well, nice driving holiday, motoring holiday if, that you that you won. We want to have flexibility. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's not that it's not that we don't want to give the money or it's just that it's more it's better for you yeah. <laughs> that's how he builds it that's how yeah. he builds it he's basically saying one of the one of the upsides not only can you win two tickets for not just the final of the Monaco Grand Prix but the semi-finals of the Monaco Grand Prix but you also get to choose and pay for your own hotel and he starts going, there's lots of beautiful hotels to choose from. It's almost as if he doesn't want to deny you the pleasure of flicking through those hotel catalogues of hotels in Monaco that if you're a resident of Yorkshire and not a tax exile, probably going to struggle to pay for. But he does no, say... No, no, that's, that's, that's not true. That it is does, not true. It doesn't matter if you're rich or it doesn't matter if you're hard up. It's still lovely. Well, no, I'm going to say that attendance at the Monaco Grand Prix, getting a hotel room during the semi-finals and final <laughs> weekend of the Monaco Grand Prix, I think how hard up you are is going to be a deciding factor. That's not true, because what did Ken say? Uh, uh, yes, uh, Monaco's a place for everyone. So in honour of Luke Varney's spectacular dive um, against Leeds United for Blackburn on Saturday, um, let's talk about theatre. So no, don't switch off the podcast. Stay with us. Um, on the line, I've got Adam Hughes, who's an award-winning writer from Leeds. How is everything, Adam? All right? I'm good. How are you? Very well. It's nice to speak to you now. Uh, yeah, you too. Tell us about this this play, then. It's called Marching On Together. So that's got my attention already. <laughs> it's, um, it's a play about the Leeds United hooligan scene in the 1980s and its particular focus is on the service crew and the fall of this and the rise of younger groups such as the very young team but what's really interesting is during this particular time it's set over the 1984-85 football season this was when uh, groups such as the service crew started to disseminate and that was because of things such as the minor strike because people their priorities changed they were marching actual march as opposed to in the terraces it's a really kind of it marks a significant change in a particular culture that season as well it was a uh, kind of all came to head rather tragically because that was the same season when it ended on the Valley Parade fire and also a Leeds fan got crushed to death in Birmingham so a lot happened in that season along with a record number of arrests for football violence so I'm quite surprised it's never been dramatised before actually but I just think there's so much in there it's a really interesting field for me to explore so how how are you going about sort of broaching that because 84 85 obviously it was quite a sensitive subject because you got like you say the Leeds fan who lost his life the young lad at Birmingham um same day as the Bradford City fire it's a sensitive topic how do you address that in in terms of getting it on stage I think the best thing you you can do is something like that and it's like of anything you've just got to get down to the simple story what is this story about and this story is actually about a guy called Maka who comes out of prison he was in jail for uh, violence, football-related, and he used to lead the service crew. And he comes out and the entire world's changed. You know, his wife's moved on, his friends have moved on, the crew's kind of disbanded. So it's actually about a guy wanting to belong somewhere, and the only place he feels he belongs 
is on the terraces is when he's fighting for Leeds United so actually it's a play about belonging and the events that happen because every single uh, scene set on a match day it gives it a really nice narrative in that sense but it's not you know drawing on events just to draw on events they happen in the shape of the story but it is actually about one man and what football hooliganism meant to him so how did you uh, make it authentic then? Is it right that you've spoken to members of the service? I group? have, yeah, yeah. I mean, what really fascinated me about it, whenever I've seen football hooligans portrayed on TV and documentaries or even in films like The Football Factory or whatever, there's a kind of real thuggish side. You don't go near these type of people. And the people who I spoke to, you know, people who I'd sit there at Ellen Road or people who I got a chat into, like, in a pub or whatever, they were part of this, like, culture, but they were, like, the nicest people you could meet, and it was really strange. And I remember I said to one guy, who I won't name, I said, you know, I, I could just not, I just couldn't imagine you fighting somebody. And he said, well, I'm not a fighter, but I'd fight for Leeds. So it's almost like a mentality that was ingrained with these people during that particular time, you know, they would fight. And it's really interesting to hear people, like, it's almost like a warrior, mentality like this was their territory and you had to go and defend your territory and you know make them out wherever you went um so i just think it's that that element of it really fascinating me but yeah it's been really interesting talking to people and sharing the stories and i think people who were around that time will hopefully watch the play and there are some kind of anecdotes in their real life events which should hopefully be quite interesting to them so how how authentic have you managed to make it then have you got like the the actors and actresses um, with tattoos and skinheads and that the full you know? <laughs> we're doing that at the moment um i think the makeup department have bought quite a few um false tattoos so i think every night before people go on stage they're going to get absolutely doubted in tattoos but and, and that's another thing we really want to kind of capture that fashion the style that people had back then because a lot of it was about how you looked um and for us it's got you know we can't just send people on with the cock sportive tracksuits that we bought from sports soccer do you know what i mean we've really got to kind of get that that style so i've been talking to a, a couple of people who've really helped us authenticate that have you managed to sort of acquire all the labels that existed in yeah the yeah well the director really wanted old 90 he wanted the particular leads top from that season and it's really funny because you can go on the internet on ebay and people are selling old tops and everyone was selling every single top apart from this so it's like half the budget's put on these <laughs> on these tops these particularly tops and tracks but that's been really fun actually and what's even better is once the play's finished nobody else who's worked on the play really genuinely want to wear something like that so I think they'll just all go back to my house <laughs> I've got a new wardrobe for a bit if nothing else your own personal uh, hooligan collection <laughs> Yeah, that's it. So you mentioned budget as well. So how's, how's all this being funded? Well, this is it. Basically, we've got a, a play is doing a month run in London, um, and that's being co-produced by a uh, theatre company down there. We've applied for funding. But for me, what's really important is actually bringing the play up to Leeds, and that's that, that's vital that a Leeds audience get to engage with it. And I, I do believe a year or so down the line, it will do a full run in Leeds, but... For me, I'm going to bring it up as soon as I can. So what we're doing is we've actually got a crowdfunder uh, website up for £6,000. And that'll cover some of the London costs, but it'll actually cover the majority of the Leeds costs. Bringing it up here, bringing it to audience, because all the performances we're having Leeds will be free. And that's really important to me because I think a lot of theatre, people think, well, theatre, no, it's not for me. Do you know what I mean? It's too expensive. It's, I'm not the kind of audience for that, whatever. But it should be accessible to everyone. And that's what we're doing. So with this um, crowdfunding we'll be able to pay actors we'll be able to get venues etc but people will be able to see it for nothing which I think I think is really good it's about removing barriers for me and hopefully we'll be doing that those are very Yorkshire friendly prices I have to say we like stuff that's free <laughs>
<laughs> me too, me too. So how how do you think it's going to be received by like a London audience? Because it's a it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? I mean, we're talking West End audience. No, we're talking more like high-end fringe audience, so not West End, because the Old Red Lion's quite a renowned theatre, and it, we, we, it took us quite a strip script had to go through a few drafts to get it in there and it was quite I suppose we're looking the artistic director was looking for a sporting play um, but you know what like I said it's about a man it's about finding that sense of belonging I think it's a story that resonates to anyone really it's just it's the Leeds connection that I think would be really important for the Leeds audience that's why I want to bring it up but I think it will resonate and I think anyone can relate to Macca and all the other characters in it and what they're going through. So it's loosely about Leeds and belonging. I mean, how, how have you got the Leeds into it? You said you've tried to source the top from the 80s. What what other Leeds references should we look out for? Well, it's, it's set in Leeds. We're really trying to look for Leeds actors to bring that additional level of authenticity. It, it's, it's so Leeds, this play. You know, someone could literally just walk on the top saying, I'm from Leeds. And even now, I mean, you just have to go on Facebook or different forums and Leeds fans get branded. They get tarnished. And it, it's so wrong because, number one, you know, 90% of the people never even have been involved in that side. But number two, you know, you've got to kind of look beyond that. You've got to look beyond the exterior and think, all right, well, these people did that. These people were engaged in, like, violence or whatever. But why were they doing it? And that's hopefully what this player tries to do. It gives it, gives it different perspectives of, um, of what life was like in the city at that time. So when you're dealing with other non-Leeds people, say you've got other people in the crew who are football fans, um, how do you explain Leeds United, modern-day Leeds United, to them when they say, oh, you go, yeah, you're a Leeds fan then? You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, what do they do? What's the reaction? Most of them say, I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> uh, I wish they did. It's really funny because um, I was in Taha and uh, when I went down to London with my friend, and we went to watch the England game. I can't remember which one it was uh, in the World Cup. And this Derby fan came and sat next to this girl. And she, my friend Terry, who's a cute PR fan, he said, oh, Adam's a Leeds fan. And she said, Leeds scum. And she hadn't spoken to me. She hadn't even, <laughs> you know, she hadn't even tried to engage in conversation, just like Leeds scum. But then I found myself actually having a go at her because this was just after Derby had lost to QPR. I can remember in the playoff final and Bobby Zamora scored that last minute winner out of nowhere. Yeah. And I kind of found myself like living up to this, you know, just being quite loudish, but I thought, no, no, I've got to step back. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of people do have this stereotype, but that's all it is, a stereotype. Do you know what I mean? And it's quite quite sad if people label you. But no, I think um, I think it's like anything. But I do love the banter between fans. And I think that's, if you get real fans, and I don't mean, you know, companies who support Man United, I mean real fans from... Different, you know, and regional places, etc. I really like it. And being a Leeds fan, people always want to chat to you about football because we've been through it all. Do you know what I mean? We've been through every situation apart from Martians landed on the pitch, but give it a year or so and that might happen too. Finally then, what are your thoughts on the season so far? Where's it headed? This is going to sound so pathetic. At the start of the season, I put a bet on us to win because I was all behind the whole Hockaday resolution. I thought if Hockaday can get Noel Hunt to score a hat-trick, this guy can work miracles. I didn't realise we were playing a bunch against a bunch of postmen at the time, but I think in terms of this season, I think we'll, we might have a strong finish. I think we'll finish... Um, I think we've there's still a lot of deadwood there. I think if we're being on this, but I think we've made some good signings. I think it's going to take a year for them to kind of gel and come together. But I think it's really exciting times. Maybe it might not be two years like Chilean until we're in the Premiership, but I think we've just got to keep on supporting the team, and we will do because that's what Leeds fans are, and that's what this place is about. You know, supporting them that 
endearing passion we've all got for the team so predictions I think we'll finish 10th Excellent thanks Adam well I'll tell you what um, final plug for the play then tell us uh, when it's on what it's called when it's coming to Leeds Great stuff so it's called Marching On Together it's at the Old Red Lion Theatre in London from the 3rd of February to the 28th anyone listening to this can get a discounted ticket we'll give you all a concession rate and then when it comes up to Leeds it's going to be if you look on my website www.adhughes.co.uk we're going to actually be bringing it to community halls and working men's clubs like uh, Belle Isle, Swarcliffe, uh, Beast and Social, and that will be on the week commencing March the 2nd, I think it is. So all the details are up there, and it'd be great to see as many of you for the free Leeds performances as possible. Coming up. Are you worried about the weekend then, chaps? Always. Um, everybody's working for the weekend as I. What was that band called? Some band sang that years and years ago. I'd write in, kids. Oh, if if Oddie was here, he'd know. It was his generation. Poor Oddie. Poor Oddie. Uh, yeah, Derby, they're top. They're at home on Saturday. Uh, they are 15 points ahead of us. Chris- so you'll find they're away on Saturday to us. Same thing. Um, they're doing rather well. Um, Chris Martin's doing well for them. Then he's got 10 goals. Uh, really sort of thriving since his conscious uncoupling from Gwyneth Paltrow. It's a Coldplay joke, people. It's a Coldplay joke. I thought Chris Martin had split up with Luciano Becchio. <laughs> Anywho, seriously, I mean, what, uh, are we, what are we thinking about this? Are we going to get hammered or is it going to be the, the game where we turn it around and stamp our mark of authority on the season? You know how long I've been hoping and praying and wishing for Rudy Austin to destroy Will Hughes? Yes. You do realise that was all in a world before Giuseppe Belushki existed. What better way to answer the critics accusing you of being racist than by clattering an albino. An albino child at that. An albino child. The last time we beat Derby, Will Hughes was genuinely at junior school, I think. Wasn't he? Wasn't he? Isn't he about 18? Was he born? He's um, about, isn't he about 12 or something? I think so. We, we've not beaten them since 2005 anyway. Right. When Rob Hulse scored a hat-trick. Yeah, so he probably... He was barely in the womb. Back. Barely yeah. in the womb, yeah. Giuseppe Belusky's the man to put him back there again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an image. Oh, goodness me. Theatre of the Mind, podcasting. Theatre of the Mind. What are they good at? We inevitably need to find out. But it's worth inserting a caveat here, because Moscow was too busy to do, delve yeah. into who scored. Michael claims to have visited who scored, but we don't know whether it's him making up. making this up. Look or, at the league table. Derby, good at scoring, stuff. creating chances, yeah. scoring goals. They pass well. Um, mm. Chris Martin... He's good at good at having someone called Chris Martin who scores ten goals, yeah. stuff like that. Good at having Will Hughes. Good at football. Yep. Yeah. Normally, I'm I'm quite confident in uh, in who scored predictions, but because you've just well either copied and pasted these or just made them up and written them, I, I don't really know what to say. Apparently, according to MichaelScored.com, Derby are strong at attacking down the wings and creating long shot opportunities but weak at defending set pieces. When you say they're weak at fouling in dangerous areas, does that mean they're not very good at fouling in dangerous areas so they don't give many fouls away or that fouling in dangerous areas is is, is a weakness? I reckon that's a weakness. Is, made well, you made it up. Way. You made it up, so you yeah. should know. Is their weakness my sweetness is the other question. <laughs> it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon for this then? Win, lose or draw, call it. What's our form? One win in ten? Yes. And they've won the last three and we've beating us in something like the last 12 games. It will be a brave man who predicted a home win. I predict a home win. You're a brave man. Thank you. Um, on to Ipswich, our next away game. They are in fourth, a mere four points off the top. Noel Hunt's Ipswich Town. Bettering uh, Chris Martin, they have Daryl Murphy, who's got 11 goals. What are they? Good, strong, weak at... Well, it's Michael. a Mick McCarthy team, so I thought 
<laughs> get the ball forward. Um, they're aggressive. Big man up front. Get it in the mixer. Pas- good at passion. Good at passion. Good at shouting in Barnsley accents. <laughs> you see, I thought I used. To, I thought I could trust you, but now I just don't know what to think. I'm looking at the words and seeing that their style is long ball, control the game in opponent's half, attack down left, play with wits. Who's their left winger? Do we even know? Noel Hunt. Is it still? Oh, they used to have that. Um, Kieran real- Dyer. <laughs> um, yes. yes, he's pinging the ball across for Romeo's on the van. Chris Kiwami is uh, on the right side. Now that I I haven't seen WhoScored.com's preview with my own eyes, I I I don't know what's going to happen. These are genuine. These are genuinely taken from that website, which I, 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 which I genuinely insist, made up. <laughs> I don't even insist upon it, but I think I think my summary highlights just how easily they could make this stuff up. Well, no, I mean if they're saying it, they've obviously done the research and they'll be able to produce the numbers. They've probably got yeah, I mean, but you know, they probably got to play in their opponent's half because the defense twats it forward when they, when they get it. Who you scored can guess doc, these things? Who scored dot com spreadsheets would crash your Excel. That's. But it'd be, it'd be a spreadsheet that just tell you something you can see anyway. Yeah, but how do you know? Don't need a weatherman to <laughs> to <laughs> see it's raining. <laughs> see which way the wind blows and all that. Yeah. Uh, no hunt won't be playing apparently. It's a shame though. Call it then. What do you reckon? Uh, win, lose, or draw? Defeat. Two defeats. Yeah, looking at their form, you are seeing uh, three wins and two draws in there, which again is better than our form. And the last draw was against Bournemouth, I believe. And we and that's and we haven't also even high flying. We haven't even had our demoralising defeat at Derby to take into account by the time we go to Ipswich. Could, and it, Ipswich is a bloody long way. Could Redfern have been sacked by the end of these two games? I'm no. thinking before the Derby game. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> See, we laughed last time. It becomes difficult for him to explain to Massimo Cellino why we haven't won both these games because Massimo Cellino is an absolute maniac. <laughs> and so even though we can quite rationally say, look, we've been in bad form, we played well at Blackburn, we're unfortunate, took away with the defeat... We had a great performance against Blackpool, something that I want to build upon. However, sometimes you've got to say that the games against top-of-the-league teams, um, it's very difficult to just turn your season around. However, I saw some encouraging signs. I felt that Dakara in both games, really looked like scoring, although he didn't, and that uh, Silvestre stopped making mistakes. And I think that Cooper and Pierce are really forming, um, although they let in seven against Derby and five at Ipswich, <laughs> I think that I'm starting to see the beginnings of a, of a partnership there. So I'm hoping, Mr Chilino, that you can see there's something for us to build on in the difficult Christmas period, and I'm grateful for your support. Hey, but Carlo would not lose these games. Hey, you are Carlo, we winning. Carlo beat Derby, beat Derby that ten times. I remember the games against Derby. He hit Derby. He always say, ah, Derby. Brian Clough, Peter Taylor, Peter Shilton. I hate them. He make it rule. Beat Derby. Carlo, I'll get Carlo back. If I was Redfern and I was ordering a Christmas turkey, I wouldn't go for the, the kind of organic, free-range, corn-fed, 80-quid one. Just just get one out of the freezer. The standard the, one. Lu- yeah. Lucy Ward's still got a secure job, hasn't she? Doesn't she work somewhere safe? The Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we hand to somebody who has most contributed to our ongoing state of perpetual misery um, as Leeds fans. And Lord only knows, it's just an ongoing torment, a joyful ongoing torment. And we'd like to congratulate Luke Varney on collecting the award this fortnight. Well done, Luke. I'm not clapping that wanker. Any other business? We are off down to that London, aren't we, this coming Monday um, for the Football Supporters Federation Awards Ceremony. This should be fun. There are, we're who, going, six or seven of us going down mob-handed. 
Who's God.com are nominated? Oh, we might get to meet them. Oh, I'm going to confront them. I'm going to have it right out with them. <laughs> I'm going to have a tear up. Just like I had with Belushi the other week. They'll just beat you with science. That's what it's going to be. They'll all be there with their mainframe computers. And they'll, they'll probably... They'll be geeks, mate. They'll be geeks. They'll probably have built a robot that can just <laughs> destroy you. And they'll be able to work out all your weaknesses... On like a scientific calculator, if, right? If they were attacking down the left side, they'd look at me. They'd go, "Doesn't have very good hair, isn't very tall, probably doesn't have very good eyes." Yes, it's a short bald man yeah. <laughs> with glasses on. So they then have everything. We've done it with science, though. We've we've worked it all out. We put it in Excel. Fuck you know. We're going to try and capture, maybe, on our phones, some audio from this. Now, I'm not going to promise anything, because we intend to get quite profoundly drunk, as is customary at any Leeds United away day. Mm. However, we will try. We've got a ticket for Oddie as well. Yeah, so if... Pray. We're, we're praying. We well, you know what? We are, we are Never going... mind capturing audio, we may be able to recapture Oddie. Well, listen, we are going on the train, and he has been sighted near the station, so let's see if we can have a quick hunt in the dark arches yeah. for him. We'll take the old nets and stuff like that to try and throw them over him. Um, oh, we've got some spam that we can... Just lure him in, like a tray of yeah. Yeah, cheese cubes and spam. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a whirl, some chicken bones, that sort of thing. We're only yeah. going to use a humane trap, aren't we? I don't want him being injured. He'll be, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. Haunched. It's haunched back. It's hard to sort of disfigure him anymore. So, yes, expect garbled tweets and desperate name-dropping when we try and hang around proper journalists and stuff, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we drink, had, uh, we'll drink beer and take photos. We had better seats than... Who's that Barcelona striker now? Luis Suarez. We yeah. had better seats than Luis Suarez Damn last right. year, didn't we? You Damn say right. take photos. Last year, I only took one picture, and it was oddly asleep on a table. <laughs> Oh, listen, memories. It, listen. If you if you voted for us, we would like to say a genuine and sincere thank you for doing so. We will do our best. Hopefully, it's been enough. Um, as I just will keep you updated on Monday with progress and our descent into drunken nonsense. So, thank you. Finally, magazine issue four is out and about. It'll be on sale versus Derby. Issue five will follow in the following weeks, and and that's about it. I think, isn't it? Squareball.net. If you want to subscribe, do that. That's, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, then you don't even have to worry about when issue five is coming out. You will get a copy anyway. You will have it. In paper form and digital form. Double whammy. Um, get in touch. Podcast at thesquareball.net is our email address. You can tweet us at the Square Ball. Find us on Facebook as well. Let's let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's get the net. Let's get the gear ready. Let's go try and find Oddie. Let's go to London. Well, now? I don't want to have to look after him for the weekend. I'll just start preparing. Let's we'll yeah. get him on Monday. We'll Lower him out with some sexy texted... Texties. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Bye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Goodbye. Fingers crossed we speak to you next time with an award in the bag. Wish us luck. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.